You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato. And today we have a special episode, actually a repeat guest of ours. If you checked out season one, episode three, leaving a high paid W2 job to pursue real estate investing with Will Harvey, definitely check that out. It's one of our first episodes in April, actually April 17th of 2020. It's definitely an episode you don't want to miss, one of our highest rated episodes. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have him back on the show, uh, Will Harvey. And Will has a seasoned real estate professional he was in the mortgage advisory business for about six years, and then he actually started out on the general partnership side um, on his investing journey into multifamily real estate and has actually transitioned on the limited partnership side uh, where he's generating passive income from multiple deals. So on this show, we're going to talk about what's that like, what's the differences really between the GP and LP responsibilities, what are the pros and the cons, advantages, disadvantages? And now he's actually the CEO of Happy Home. So we want to hear more about that. He's doing some disruptive work in the single family real estate market. And he's also a um, real estate investor himself um, in terms of uh, flipping um, in the Northern Virginia market about 40 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. So uh, happy to have my good friend Will on the show again. And, and thanks for coming on. Hey, Anthony, thanks for having me on. Great. So what have you been up to? I have been up to uh happy home and just doing some, um, some deals as a, a passive investor. Like you said, I was uh, on the GP side of things and um, had some partners and then uh, COVID hit. And one of, one of our main guys, he had another business and he really had, it was, it was his main hustle, if you will. And he had to buckle down when everything, Thing when the lockdowns started happening and he had to buckle down and really focus on that. So we kind of went separate directions. We had, we had done a few deals, raised some money at that point and um, gotten involved with, I want to say three or four deals. Um, and we still have all that go and we, we, uh, we update our investors, do that whole thing. Um, but we uh, more transitioned and went our separate directions. And I went more onto the uh, limited partner side of things because uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You can write a check and send your money to someone like Anthony. And then um, hopefully they do a good job and you get regular recurring uh, distributions every quarter, whenever it is. And, and funny as it may be, I had a, uh, my first deal that I did as a, as an LP close. Um, we, we, it was purchased, uh, about two years ago, so almost two years ago, and it just uh, it just closed, and uh, we we made good money. It pretty much doubled uh, doubled the equity, and so it was a great deal for for everyone. And that ACH came to came into my bank account this morning, so pretty pretty good timing. <laughs> yeah, very very relevant. Uh, yeah. So so what? So you had that experience on on the general partnership side, and you mentioned how simple it is. To just write a check and receive distributions is it is it really that simple because there are roles of the limited partner to still wear a hat and 
still do due diligence. Can you kind of talk about that in terms of how you evaluate deals? Like, do you need to have had that GP experience in order to evaluate good deals so you can come in on the LP side? Like, what, what's your thought yeah. process around that? Yeah, uh, it definitely helps being able, having underwritten multiple deals and, and knowing what to look for and, um, and all that, it definitely helps. But I would say as a limited partner, the most important thing to look at is the person, the, the, the quarterback, if you will, which is in your case, you guys, and, um, making sure that they are competent, capable, and going to be a good steward of your money is, is the most important thing. Every deal is going to have its, its, its bumps and bruises along the way. And it's just all about overcoming that and having a good, uh, a good person to, to, to manage all that and make sure it, it gets to the finish line. So that, that's what I would say is, is, is the most important. Um, because anybody can, anybody can make a deal look good on paper. I've seen, I just looked at this condo development that a buddy sent me and I, I wouldn't get involved with something like that because I don't know anything about it. Um, but it looked, it looked really good on paper. And then I started talking to the, the guy that sent it to me and he gave me more context and apparently the person doing it, this is that they, they went from doing something completely different. This is their first one. And it was a big, big uh, deal. It was like a $60 million deal. And I mean, if you just looked at the, uh, the pro forma that they gave with all the info about it, you would have thought that they had been doing this for 20 years and that they were seasoned veterans, but uh, it, it, it wasn't the case. And it, it may or, or may not do very well, but my point is that you need to really know the person that you're, uh, you're dealing with and going to get involved with. Right. So you evaluate the team through multiple, you know, multiple ways. There's multiple ways of doing that. Yeah. Um, and then when your real estate background, you can evaluate the deal. Now, for some people who are listening to this, you don't have to have real estate knowledge to evaluate deals as an LP, right? Or what are the certain types of investors? There's non-accredited and accredited investor. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit if you can? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's uh, non-accredited or sophisticated investors and then accredited investors. I believe it's, it, unless the definition has changed, it's um, they have to make uh, 200 grand if they file single, 300 if they're married, or they have to have a million dollar net worth outside of their primary residence. And um, those, those guys are considered to, you know, be able to evaluate risk and and, um, and, 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 and do that whole thing. Whereas sophisticated investors, um, or, or non-accredited investors, they, they don't meet those criteria, but they, uh, they, they still should have some level of experience investing in different things. And, um, and I think that when you're, you're talking, so, so you're asking me like as a GP when dealing with the different types of investors, what, what, do, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So just in general, so if someone was listening to this and they're like, okay, well, being an LP sounds pretty good. I have to do my homework in regards to the team and the deal and some other factors as well. Yeah. Obviously everybody can't be an LP in every single deal. So um, you, you, you explained that the definitions pretty correctly. They changed it recently for accredited investors to be just considered sophisticated. And that requires- Oh, I see. Proof of sophistication, which, you know, could be your series seven license 63 
any financial service background to back up your accreditation. Let's say you make a hundred grand or 150 and you're almost going to be there at some point. Um, that'll be, you know, people use that to still get into deals that are open to accredited investors. But besides that, what are some other, um, on the deal level, on the financial level, what are some metrics that you look at when evaluating, you know, a limited partnership deal for yourself? Yeah. What I look at, um, in that regard, what I look at is um, realistic uh, assumptions in terms of rent growth, expenses, and that sort of thing. If someone has, if someone has a a five percent uh, rent growth annually, that's probably a little bit on the high side. It's it's maybe a little bit optimistic. If they think they can come in and and it's really underperforming and and maybe it's a mom and pop that aren't charging market rents, maybe there's a uh, jump from year one to year two, but if they have, and I've seen <laughs> plenty of these deals that have five, six percent annual uh, rent escalators, and that's probably something you want to look for, and it's it should be uh, a red flag. It's, you should at least ask questions about it. Um, something more realistic is around two to three percent. So that that's pro- that's a big one. I think that. I think where a lot of guys also mess up are the expenses. So having too low of an expense ratio relative to the to the to the rental uh, income is is also something that I that I look for. And and reserves reserves are are a huge thing. Just having enough enough cash on hand so that the the general partner doesn't have to go back to all the investors and ask for uh, more money. That's that's uh, pretty important. For sure. And do you look at other, and we're talking about for the audience, mostly value add multifamily properties. So we're talking about apartment complexes, anywhere from the smallest syndication I've ever seen is like 30 units, anywhere from 30 units to thousands and thousands of units. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. Just yeah. And it's, and it's different. I mean, a 30 unit is, uh, is, is, is different than a hundred unit, which is different from a, you know, a 400 unit property. So, so it's all, it's all nuanced and, and, and different in that regard. But, um, but, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, looking at those, those um, KPIs is, is, is something that is uh, definitely useful in evaluating a deal. Sure. And if you're looking at a deal that a sponsor sends you, and maybe it's a market you've heard of or unfamiliar with, how do you do due diligence on the market? Because obviously the sponsor has to do that. Um, but how right. do you how do you conduct your own side? How do you conduct your own market diligence side by side with the sponsor to make sure yes. that to double because you should double check anything you're investing in. Yeah, well, so right now the way I do it is I have a couple of deals that I've done with you, and then there's another sponsor that's done well and they've they've um, outperformed based on the performa that they've given. So guys like that, guys like yourself, I just I trust you to to do that research. And I really don't do, do anything. And that's the beauty of finding somebody that is, uh, is, is competent, knows what they're doing and has a good track record. But if you've never done a deal, what I would say is to, is to look up, um, what I used to do is look up the employment and just make sure that everything isn't super, super concentrated in one industry or one type of type of thing. Cause if that, if that goes, then, then um, you know everything. Everything could collapse around it if it's distributed uh, across, you know, a bunch of different industries that are that are there. Then if 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 one 
goes for whatever reason, then the other ones are going to pick up the slack in all likelihood. And it's, it's more balanced and, and there's probably less risk in that case. Absolutely. So what would be your advice for like, yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of newer sponsors, how can they overcome the hump of being the newer sponsor in the game from a limited partnership perspective? Maybe they're, <laughs> maybe they have a great deal and a great business plan, uh, but they've never done it before or they came from the restaurant industry or, or yeah. something completely unrelated. How can they overcome that hump from a limited partnership perspective when it comes to raising capital? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just be a student of the game and 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 listen to as much as many podcasts, soak up as as much information from the successful guys um, as 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 you can. And and uh, the, the 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 biggest thing I would say is is just communicate and be super super conservative when whenever you're laying something out for investors the worst thing you can do especially when you're new is uh is over promising and under delivering so like like i said i'm not trying to i'm not trying to plug you here or anything like that but i'm involved with two deals with you guys and uh in in, in both of them you gave you gave the performa and um the the rent uh, premiums that you were able to hit just right off the right off the bat are substantially higher than what you projected. So something like that is uh, is 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 really good. And you know when you can do that as a newer general partner, that tends to attract uh, refer. You know the existing investors will give referrals, and 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 that sort of thing. So I, I would say just just be very very conservative in any and everything that you do make sure it's a good deal and make sure that your numbers are tight and that you know exactly what you're looking at and uh, communicate do that whole thing oh, that makes so much sense and um, even general partners including myself have other limited partner investments with, with other real right. estate companies too so it's it's good like you mentioned to not have your eggs all in one basket and diversification is key even if you're still only investing in one asset class, if it, if it is real estate, you do want to be able to spread that risk out, not only from deal to deal, but from sponsor to sponsor. Uh, like you mentioned, you have, you know, exactly. your, some of your investments with a few sponsors. So, and I think that's great um, to spread that around. So, yep. and I'd love to hear more about your story a little bit more. We've covered it. If for those of you who are interested, go back and, you know, review that third episode of our show with Will and and myself to check out his story. He's got an amazing story and has come a long way. So from there, kind of picking up on that, we definitely want to hear what you're up to now with Happy Home as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. One more thing I want to say uh, uh, right. in regards to the multifamily side of things is, so when I first started to, you know, it's, it's kind of nerve wracking when you first start uh, investing in these deals passively. You're just, it feels like you're just writing check after after check after check and i can say that after after having done that for a year or two and there's definitely guys that have been doing it for way longer than that but after doing it for a year or two i'm starting to see the 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 um the results of planting all those seeds and it's pretty cool when you when you invest in a deal, it typically takes some time before you, um, because you're, you're most likely buying an underperforming asset. So it takes some time before it starts to, uh, yield, yield dividends. So, um, once, once that starts to happen and you have multiple deals, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to, uh, 
get to the end of the quarter and get, you know, four or five, six, uh, checks or ACH deposits and, and see that. And, um, and that's, I would say that last quarter was, was pretty much the first time that's happened for me. And it was, it was pretty neat. And you see the power of, of, uh, doing it. And the beauty is that I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to take any phone calls from tenants or, 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 or that whole thing. And I'm actually selling my, uh, <laughs> my last, my last rental property is under contract and I'm selling it. I'm actually going to be transitioning that money primarily into, uh, passive deals, um, in the, in the, in the multifamily space. So, uh, it's definitely a, a beautiful thing to be on, on this side and not have to deal with all that and just get a, uh, as, as long as you are, are with a good, good sponsor, uh, get, get a check every, uh, every, every quarter. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's a, before we touched on the happy home, that's a great point. I, I overlooked when I, you know, people even reach out to me and are like, okay, well, am I going to get distributions right away? Or you, you really have to understand the business plan mm-hmm. and what's in the projections up front before you make the investments. Because as, as Will mentioned, some distributions are every quarter, some are really heavy value add. They might not pay a distribution for six months. You might not see any yeah. money and you might feel like, oh, I'm just writing a check for nothing. So as Will said, going in with the expectations uh, that the sponsor laid out is, is critical. So you're not losing your mind. I find it helpful. And I tell a lot of, um, you know, people involved in, in my group to just, here's, I give them my distribution schedule and I tell them, put it in your, put it in your calendar for, let's say the end of June, this is going to be the first distribution for this deal. The end of April is the first or second for this deal. Um, but what I would yeah. recommend for sponsors to get on a pretty consistent distribution schedule. And I have some work to do with that in terms of the end of the actual first quarter and then the second, third and fourth to make it more smooth um, and more expected from a limited partnership uh, perspective. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my two cents in that. No, that's, that's perfect. And like you said, not all deals are created equally. The, the one that I had that I mentioned at the beginning of this, um, it just sold. It was more of a, it was, it was more of a flip. I was telling Anthony before we started recording here, when the property was acquired, it was an 84 unit in a, in a suburb of um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And when it was acquired, it was a pretty, pretty ugly property. Uh, it, it, there was a pool. It looked terrible. Um, the exterior looked bad. Units weren't great. And uh, to top that all off, there were nine sex offenders living in the property. So when there's more than 10% of your, uh, of your tenants that are, that are sex offenders in a property, that's not a good, that's not a good sign. So <laughs> this one was, was more of a, a, a flip, if you will, where it didn't pay as many distributions along the way. Um, but there was a substantial amount of value created on the back end uh, when it when it sold. So um, not all deals are. And then conversely to that, there are deals that are um, you know more of a, a yield play where you buy them and they're, and they're more heavy on the cash flow that's that's received along the way than on the back end of things. So not all deals are created equally, and um, and I think it's just important to know what you, uh, what you like and what you look for. I like deals that, uh, have a, have a refi component because if you can, if I can put in, you know, 25, $50,000 into a deal and then it get turned around and refinanced in a year or two, I get all my, I get all or, or part of my capital back. I, and then I can take that money and invest it elsewhere 
but meanwhile, I keep my position in that deal and it keeps, you know, I keep building wealth and, and, um, generating just getting distributions and, and doing that whole thing. So that's, that's the model that I like to follow. And other guys are different where they just, you know, they, they want to set it and forget it. They don't want to refinance. They just want steady distributions and, and, um, yeah, so it just, people are different in what they like. And I think understanding what you like is, is important if you're going to be an LP. Yep. No, strategy is key and definitely yep. doing your homework up front is, is, is key as well. Uh, so, so as we, uh, gravitate away from LPGP conversation, so yep. what is, I see on your background, happy home, what is that? I'd love to learn a little <laughs> bit more about it. We're running out of time, but maybe <clears throat> just a, a couple of tidbits on it before we end the show. Yeah. So, so happy home when I was in, uh, when I was doing all this, uh, apartment stuff, mainly on the GP side of things, I, uh, a buddy of mine brought me an opportunity to flip a house and uh, I got involved with it. I originally, I said I would never flip a house. I would only do apartment stuff. And, uh, but I decided to uh, do it. It was a good deal. It was bought at a good, good basis. And, uh, and I, and I did it, got involved with it. And then him and I, we just meshed real well. He has a, a background in construction and renovation. So it worked perfect. And I have a finance background. So we, uh, once that one was done, we did well on it and we decided to go after more. And in doing so, we realized how messed up the industry was. And it's, it's, um, you know, I could touch on this for an hour, but I'm not going to, but, uh, uh, there are these characters called wholesalers, real estate wholesalers that dominate the industry. And, and, and basically what they do is they will go to primarily elderly people that are, that are wanting to do a cash, cash home sale. They're selling a property that, that needs a lot of work. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll go to them and say, Hey, Anthony, I want to buy your house for a hundred thousand dollars. Here's a contract. So the person will sign it. And then they'll take that contract and they will quote unquote sell it to, to an actual buyer at a higher price. So they'll then take that contract and go find an actual investor and assign it to them for say $125,000. And then that person ends up buying it. They get a 25,000, the wholesaler gets $25,000 for doing really nothing for making an introduction. And it's very they operate in a legal gray area because they're a, a because they're a, a quote unquote buyer. There's no regulation. They're not a third party like a lender or a realtor. So there's very little regulation. A lot of people are taken advantage of. So I created a um, a two sided platform for sellers to easily go on and get connected with buyers and you know real estate investors that we vet and um, do our diligence on to make sure that they are um, that they're they're capable and trustworthy and gonna <clears throat> gonna deliver value and uh, and do what they say for these for these uh, sellers. So the 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 end end goal is to put a lot more money and uh, and really simplify the process. Put, put a lot more money in these um, sellers' pockets and simplify the process for them. So that's that's what Happy Home is in a nutshell. And how could how could people? Is there any beta uh, version of Happy Home online people can check yeah. out? Okay. So right now we we rolled it out in uh, in 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 the Tampa Clearwater St. Pete uh, area of of Florida, but people can check it out online by going to sellhappyhome.com. 
Excellent. And, and how and else can, can people and, find? And is if you're the- an investor, if you're an investor, if you scroll to the bottom of our uh, our page, there's a, a link where you can click uh, investors, and you can go to that side of it and and, and uh, apply to join. And um, it's 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 it should be it should be cool. It's exciting. Yeah, it's a very fragmented industry. And what yes. I'd love to do is have you back to have a full episode because you said you could talk for an hour about it. So love to have a full episode. Um, maybe we'll record that in the next couple of weeks about it and release it to our audience as well. So they can get educated yeah, cool. on the topic. Yeah. Um, how else can people find you, Will, as we start to divert? Yeah, they can just uh, shoot me an email, uh, will at sellhappyhome.com if anyone uh, wants to connect. I'm not super big on <laughs> Facebook or all the all the social media platforms, but yeah, shoot me an email and um, and we can connect. Excellent. And if you want to reach Will, I'm more than happy to reach out to me. I'll, I'll put you in touch with Will. He's a great guy. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, if you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes, it helps Will and my message get out to a greater audience. That's just how it works. And again, we will be recording another episode uh, specifically uh, talking about this uh, uh, happy home and the industry he's targeting. So look forward to that. And again, check out our earlier episode uh, with Will featuring Will back in April of 2020 uh, to learn a little bit more about Will's story. So thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Anthony, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Excellent. Talk soon.